Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. You're listening to episode 64. You are not the problem and what boards can do about it. This is a conversation that has been swimming around in my mind for a number of years now, and I've kind of been a little bit reticent to commit it to an article or a podcast because I was worried that I would really not articulate clearly my thoughts and it would end up sounding like a rant. And while that may help me to feel better in the moment, it's not a very conducive contribution to such an important issue, and that is the issue of board diversity. I feel that with this idea in my subconscious for so long, and knowing that March this month, 2023, was going to be all about diversity in the boardroom, I feel like all of my thoughts have culminated together and formed something that I hope is a meaningful contribution to this conversation. Um, And I really would like to be it to be a conversation. So please share your thoughts with me via the Get On Board Australia website. You can find that at getonboardaustralia.com.au forward slash podcast, where you'll find an inquiry box that will enable you to send me a message. So if you feel compelled to contribute to this conversation, I would love to hear from you. But before I get into this conversation, happy International Women's Day. This year's theme, 2023 theme is Embrace Equity. And this is very serendipitous as the ideas that I'm going to share in this episode, I feel work towards boards taking meaningful action towards fully embracing diversity and achieving equity as an outcome for all diverse individuals. So I wanted to start the conversation today with a a little view into economics and no, no, don't switch off the episode just yet. There's method to my madness. During my undergrad, I did two semesters of economic courses. And as bland as they sound, they have actually provided me with two lessons that I have found are applicable beyond the economy as you would usually define it. And these two things are opportunity cost, which I won't be talking about today, even though it's kind of related to our topic, not talking about it today. And the other one is supply and demand. In economics, Supply is the quantity of goods and services in a marketplace and demand is a measure of what consumers are willing and able to buy of these goods and services in the marketplace. So applying this to diversity, we can translate these definitions to be supply as being the quantity of board willing and ready diverse candidates in a marketplace and demand as being what boards are willing and able to appoint or present for election of the supply of diverse candidates. So with this in the back of our minds, 
My premise is that programs that are aimed at increasing the supply side of the equation, so upskilling or preparing board-ready, diverse candidates, are really only half, if that, of the solution to the board diversity issue or the board diversity question. These board readiness programs, which largely focus on educating individuals with diverse characteristics, such as gender, ability or disability, culture, race, heritage, etc., on directors' duties and other corporate governance basics, are fantastic learning and education opportunities for people to take. And I believe educating aspiring new and existing board members must continue. No question about it. However, what I do question is whether these diverse cohort focused board readiness programs in and of themselves move the needle at the pace and to the extent desired and possibly required. I also worry that they have significant negative connotations and outcomes attached to them. To me, they reinforce the message that there is a deficiency inherent to the diverse individuals and that that is the reason that you're not getting on a board. Furthermore, this same message is also reinforced to the general board population, contributing to the often used excuse that there are not enough quote unquote qualified candidates to bring into our boardroom. There are a lot of underskilled and ill-prepared people currently on boards for me to believe that this is actually a valid line of thinking. I also feel that focusing board diversity on very narrow cohorts of diverse candidates limits or constricts our idea of diversity. And this is perhaps the reason why there are now so many boards that have become pale and stale. Having achieved movement away from pale, stale and male, they're now just pale and stale. Is that what we really thought of when board diversity became a topic? I refuse to believe that there is and perhaps ever was a diverse, board-ready and willing cohort supply issue. Diverse candidates are not the problem you may be led to believe. There is a demand side to the board diversity equation that must be considered, but rarely is. First, here's what I think is going on from the board perspective. And I don't think any of this is on purpose or has been intentionally set up to discriminate. What I think is happening is that these are unintended consequences that we're experiencing to existing factors that are just there. Firstly, the recruitment of new board members is multifaceted and 
what boards need or want at a particular time and what is going on within the organization and the board influences what is needed from new board members. Most of the time, boards aren't looking for governance knowledge in and of itself, which is what most board readiness programs focus on. It is that, absolutely, and it is so much more. Further to that, board appointments are political as well as practical. Connections and networks can be invaluable to organisations and consequently can be powerful factors influencing who ends up in the boardroom. Yes, it helps for these board members to understand governance. In fact, that's mandatory. But if you can land a well-connected person on your board, you would value that more highly than many other factors. I can teach you governance. I can't teach you a network and the right connections. Also, another influencing factor here, investors, venture capitalists, shareholders, significant donors and funders and other groups of people that put money into organizations may stipulate that their money comes with a board seat or two attached. These money people usually nominate someone to be their representative on the board to safeguard their investment. So that in and of itself reduces the number of board seats on the open market. Boards also set their own standards or requirements of the qualifications, skills, expertise, and other attributes of board candidates that they want to bring into the boardroom. Sometimes these can be driven by laws, listing requirements, or certain industry rules or standards. For example, your board may be required to have a CPA um, as the chair of the audit committee. So there's no way around that. You must bring in someone that has a specific qualification. Sometimes it's driven by what the board or organization needs to balance out their bench strength. And sometimes the constitution stipulates specific parameters around who can nominate for a board role or may completely restrict the appointment of board members by the board. All of these parameters further restrict the candidates available for you to select to a board. And inherently, if you as an aspiring board member don't have those attributes, you're sort of disqualified, if you want to think of it like that, from that board opportunity at that time, just because you don't have that particular attribute that they are required to bring into the boardroom. Also, opportunities on boards are relatively rare. For most boards, one or two positions become open each year. That's a general rule. It's not for all boards. And many times the incumbent board members re-stand for election or appointment. And because most people tend to dislike change and like certainty, the known quantity 
that is the existing board member, retains their seat at the table. It may be many years before a board position can be openly contested on the wide open marketplace without the incumbent board member competing for it, say because they maxed out their term um, or they're chosen to retire or for some other reason. And if you multiply this factor of a board that does not have maximum term limits for their board members, that is just exacerbated as well because then the incumbent can just keep restanding, restanding and restanding. Also, on more of the personal side of things, people are ignorant, mostly unintentionally. So please don't take offense. I'm ignorant. You're ignorant. We all have a level of ignorance. And this in itself is not good or bad, although it can and does lead to negative outcomes, many that we're probably unaware of due to our ignorance. It's just a facet of human nature and reality. We don't even know to think that we can think about something differently or that there is a way to think differently about something. It's impossible to have all the knowledge and experiences that allow us to understand every single perspective on something. So we can't even think to think about something differently until we have our perspective widened. And this is where we hear the excuse we can't find any diverse board candidates from boards that continue to deploy the same recruitment methods year after year after year. And lastly, sometimes board members just won't leave. And sadly, there are too many examples of why maximum term limits had to be introduced. So all this to say is that these structural and personal issues culminate and exist and create a demand problem on boards. Board diversity or lack of board diversity is not a supply problem. It is a demand problem. More programs targeted at fixing diverse cohorts is not going to increase demand to meet the rate of supply. Actions need to be taken by boards themselves to unlock demand in order to pull the diverse candidates into the system. So here are some ideas on some actions that boards can take now to create this uptick in demand. Firstly, look at your board structures and governing documents to see where they are holding you back from building a diverse board. In your constitution, do you have maximum term limits for your board members? What are your candidate nomination requirements? Are they overly limiting or overly prescriptive? Does the board even have the ability to nominate people or appoint people to the board? Does anything else in there need to change to enable you to have a wider and deeper candidate pool? With your shareholders, investors or donor contracts or agreements, really ask yourself, are they filling seats unnecessarily? Does the 
organization require the investor, whoever's providing money with the um, expectation of a board seat, do you require them to meet diversity criteria with the candidates they place on the board? With your self-established candidate criteria, is it reasonable or does it create a threshold that is unnecessarily too high for most people to meet? Have you differentiated between what is teachable and what isn't and what is mandatory and what is optional? Really ask yourself those questions around, do we have any structural impediments holding us back? Probably ones that you're really not aware of, but sit there and just fill space where there could be diversity. Secondly, each time a board member sees a board readiness program targeted at a diverse cohort, why not bring that conversation to the boardroom and ask what your board could do to integrate that perspective or that attribute of diversity into your board. At the same time, be aware of your ignorance though and consider talking to someone from that diverse cohort to truly understand what they see as barriers to getting on boards. And then what actions and ideas can you integrate into your board and board recruitment practices? Number three, find ways to bring diverse voices into your boardroom. It's an uncomfortable fact that specific candidate attributes and diversity being one of those will only be brought onto a board if it is seen as valuable to the board and organization to bring that in. In fact, it's true for all board members not just diverse board members. There must be an ROI, but not everyone can be on the board and you don't want to build a diverse board just to tick boxes, virtue signal, and not have meaning and purpose behind it. That just ends up being insulting and demeaning. This means that other mechanisms can be used to bring a wider array of diverse voices in a meaningful way into the boardroom. Things like committees, advisory councils, board advisors, focus groups, getting representatives from organizations that work with diverse groups of people are all ways to bring these perspectives into the boardroom and broaden the perspective of the board members there. Truly unlock the value of diversity by asking better questions, sharing information and being vulnerable and see the relationship as long-term or ongoing. While you're at it, why not seek input into board recruitment, structures, governing, governing documents and input into how the relationships can be truly meaningful and valuable for everyone, not just to the board and organization. And lastly, something we can all do is accept our ignorance. It's not wrong or evil, and it truly is unintentional the vast majority of the time. So we have to be aware of our unawareness. 
Be open to questioning the way we or you do everything and be willing to bring in different perspectives on issues and to truly hear it and understand it. This is a really valuable board skill to develop, not just as it relates to board diversity. As I mentioned at the beginning, board diversity is a demand issue. Boards must take actions to be willing and able to appoint or present for election diverse candidates that are already in oversupply in the marketplace. It's not you, the aspiring and diverse board candidate, who is the problem. You don't need fixing or something changed before being board ready. Yes, educate yourself to the requirements of a board member. Everyone should do that. But do not see it as the golden ticket into the boardroom. It's not the thing holding you back. For each board readiness program aimed at a diverse cohort, demand a similar education program for the boards themselves. Ask, how are you also increasing demand for this diverse cohort? Like the economy, the board economy is two-sided, supply and demand. So let's treat it this way and do things on both sides of the equation to move the needle how we desire and require it to be. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom.